Justice Tech Pros here. Today's episode is going to work a little differently in the sense that there won't be a specific topic or topics. I'm probably going to jump around a little bit based on last few days, uh, things that have popped in my head, notes that I've jotted down that I wanted to touch on. So not really going to analyze anything specific today as we did on the prior episodes. More of um, thoughts and possibly a little bit of experiences. Uh, Just see how the flow goes today. One of the immediate things I wanted to touch on was last week, I was the topic of um, uh, an article on an online subscription-based blog, which covers a certain uh, a certain theme each week, and uh, I didn't want to really respond to that on my uh, podcast because I try to not make this a soapbox type format. And so what I did was. Um, I was actually asked by the gentleman at Ruckus Radio uh, for a response, which I appreciated because the author of the original blog never reached out to my team, not even myself. I would have preferred he reached out to counsel for a response and for clarification before he printed the initial article, which I then had something to say about. I actually emailed him directly about it which I spoke about in prior episodes in the sense that if something comes out in the media and you're not crazy about it, you have every right to contact whoever authored that and set the record straight and clarify things rather than always having to sit silent and have to endure a lot of nonsense that's put out and a lot of false information that's put out. It's almost like, why, you know? Uh, with technology now, it's very easy to find emails and find contact. There's nothing wrong in emailing somebody and contacting them that you disagree with the story and your facts are way different than what they're putting out. So that's what I did. And then uh, in turn, you know, uh, as um, reporters do, he, uh, they responded. he responded in kind, which is fine. But I, I just didn't want to get into... My official response to that on this format, maybe in another time I'll elaborate on certain things of that nature, but at the beginning right now I want to focus on just really the justice system as a whole and things I've experienced rather than personal go back and forth. So Ruckus Radio uh, kindly asked for my position on it, Uh, so I I gave them an official response and I believe they're going to be um, touching on that in their next episode or so. So you're going to want to tune into that and to their podcast. And you just search Ruckus Radio on YouTube and it'll come up. So you could hear, you know, what uh, my official response to that was. But the bottom line is, you know, when something is put out, I don't think a lot of times when, when it's wrong, those who put it out realize the frustration that is experienced by those directly affected. So the way I look at things now is if somebody's wrong or they're not doing things properly or reporting things properly, I'm going to tell them. 
you know, too many times I would say, I'll leave it alone, don't say nothing, but all that does is just build more aggravation, to be honest with you, on a personal level. If somebody has their facts not in line and things are inaccurate, and I'm not saying based on... Um, I'm not saying based on what the reporter is reporting. Maybe the facts as he knows it are accurate. What I'm saying is the source where he's getting it from is wrong, particularly in this case. And that's why, to me, when you're a reporter, it's very important you should reach out to all different, you know, everybody affected. Anybody who's mentioned, in my opinion, in the article, you should try and touch base with that person, the individual, their legal representation, whoever's representing them, just to get uh, the other side to make sure everything's covered, just to cover your bases. Just my own personal philosophy on it. So when I see things are inaccurate, it's hard to sit by and just let it go. So I got to address it. That's just, I guess that's just who I am as a person. I don't like things going unchecked if they are wrong. I mean, obviously you can't do it all the time. Uh, you'd be responding nonstop. But when something's important and something's put out there and people are seeing it and people are reading it and it's not accurate, I, I-, I like to set the record straight on it. So that- that's uh, all I'm going to touch about on that for uh, this week. Again, I may dive into these things a little deeper. I haven't decided yet, you know, but right as of now, I'm trying to just have more of a discussion, more of a uh, personal reflection on how things operate, things that could possibly help listeners uh, give them a common sense approach and not have to listen to the legal legal wording and the legal uh, definitions and the boring ways things are normally put on legal bo- podcasts. I, I try to just break it down in in regular terms that people can understand and so they have a basis of how things are played out in the real world. So that's really what I'm trying to do with this podcast. You know, last episode I went into the judge's, um, the power of the judge. And um, I heard a quote, coincidentally, this week that actually said, don't tell me the law, tell me who the judge is. And I thought that was a very ironic quote in light of what I've experienced recently, both personally and uh, professionally. And I think that kind of sums it up. You know, don't tell me the law. Tell me who the judge is, because that's really what's important. Because the judge is going to decide how things play out, and what parts of the law are going to be enforced, not enforced, and how fair of a trial you will get. I've been getting uh, several emails um, that's been forwarded to me from my staff, where uh, uh, listeners of the podcast or, or followers on social media have been um, asking to talk about their case and what their experience is on the show. And I'm definitely going to do that. So for those listening, I am going to get to those. I just have to get that set up in the sense that just get it scheduled, see when I have time to do that, because I I do these podcasts sporadically. I don't really have a uh, set time. Uh, It's all based on my schedule. So that's what I'm going to try to just figure out, because some of them, unfortunately, are uh, serious stories where the justice system failed them. And because of that, they're suffering and their families are suffering. And it's really troubling to see these things. 
because, again, I always go back to it. The general public on a whole, I don't think, grasps what takes place in this country when you're targeted. And to be a target, you know, you don't have to be a high-profile name or anything like that. You know, you have these smaller uh, towns, uh, counties, where you do see people who are targeted. It's just a fact that plays out. And you could be targeted for all types of reasons. You could be targeted for your ethnicity. You could be targeted for your race, for your status. And what's scary about that is when you are targeted, and I spoke about this, you know, the case is built around you. They don't get the, the evidence and then decide somebody broke the law. It's almost as if they target that individual and then they decide how to make everything line up. And the the problem is what's concerning, and I've said this in the past, is in theory, the justice system we have really is a great one, in theory. If it played out like it um, reads in the books when you're learning it, and when you're, you know, I'm sure when lawyers are going through law school and they're, they're you know, reading all this endless, endless information. I mean, the textbook law really reads well and is justice if it played out that way. It just doesn't. There's too many human components to it. And by nature, humans cannot help themselves by not having their own personal feelings, vendettas, interfere with what they're supposed to be doing by law. You know, you get um, prosecutors who know a defendant is innocent of certain crimes and yet they'll still go forward to prosecute based on their own personal feelings, their own personal reasons behind it, which no one would understand, only they would understand that. Or you get judges who see things playing out in the courtroom that are one-sided And there's nothing to prevent that. Nothing to try to keep it in the middle of the road. And try to have both sides get a fair trial. And again, I say this often. I'm not saying this is a all-inclusive philosophy. Because there are good judges. I've experienced some firsthand years ago. Uh, I've experienced some not-so-good judges recently. And I've experienced some blatantly unfair judges. And that even goes for prosecutors. You have prosecutors who are there doing their job, going by the book, and then you have ones that aren't, that are making the rules up as they go along, uh, acting a certain way in the courtroom that is unprofessional, uh, making remarks that are unprofessional. I mean, that's just the way it goes, you know, and that's... That's why the justice system's flawed, because of the human element, and how do you fix that? And there's really no way of fixing that, in my opinion. Um, There's always going to be a problem, there's always going to be a problem with getting a fair trial if you have certain factors affecting that fair trial, such as a judge who's not operating fairly, um, evidence which is being exaggerated or being changed. I talked about transcripts. That where the wording's changed, and if you don't catch it, you have a problem. I mean, when, when things like that happen, you have a problem. So the only, 
The only solution I could come up with is something like this, where you appeal to the general public and you just... I don't want to say make them smarter because it's not a matter of that. It's actually a matter of just opening their eyes uh, and making them understand what needs to be done to prevent these things from happening. Because that jury of 12 really holds all the power. But if they buy into the charades that play out and if they buy into what is taking place that is unconstitutional and is preventing a defendant from getting a fair trial then all is lost. So that's what I'm hoping to accomplish. That's the only way we could really have some kind of change on that end. And on the uh, defendant side, it's very important for the defendants to be involved, and I touched on this prior as well, but they really need to be involved in all aspects of their case. And I know a lot of times it's just a matter you hand it off to the lawyer and let them do their thing, but... It's important to really take control with certain parts. As I said earlier about uh, in prior episodes where you really want to dive into your own discovery and you really want to pull that apart, you know, those are those are um, responsibilities that you have to take serious because there's a lot in there that could help you. If not, if not on the, um, you know, during the pre-trial phase for the motions, during the trial phase. But throughout the whole thing from day one, you really have to start ripping that stuff up and diving into it. And it's so important that you're making sure whoever you hire is doing that. Uh, You know, that's one thing when you have a few team members, they all hold each other accountable. And I explained that's kind of like, you know, that's what my firm does where we join the the defense team or... um, Regardless of who hires us, we, we've done civil cases, we've done criminal cases. But when we join the team, to be part of the team, everybody holds one another accountable. And it's very important for everybody to be in the loop. So defendants really need to take part in their case from inception. Because there's so many things that you could point out. And in a state case where you're entitled to the grand jury minutes, you could really really pull apart things when you're comparing the grand jury to the indictment of the grand jury to what the discovery says. The problem with a federal case, you're not entitled to the grand jury minutes. So you have to almost guess. You have to guess by the indictment what was said in the grand jury. And when you compare it to the discovery and you could see that it's not matching up, you can't prove it because you don't have the grand jury minutes. And that that's what's frustrating, you know. And uh, I had mentioned you could make a motion to have the judge look at the grand jury minutes when you raise issues that aren't lining up, but it's a very hard motion to have granted, which, for the love of me, I don't understand because you're not even asking to look at it if you make a motion to have the judge do it in camera. You're just asking to have the judge look at it. So I don't understand why that would not be granted. I guess the judge doesn't want to you know, be bothered going through all the minutes, but it is an important aspect, and that's somewhere where we're, the, the criminal justice system on a federal level is flawed. You should be entitled to have your grand jury minutes. You're indicted. You should be entitled to read through them. It just doesn't make sense. You're not entitled to see how you got indicted and to put it under a microscope and make sure it lines up to the discovery that you received. 
you know, because basically people could get on there on the stand in the grand jury and not tell the truth, which has happened often. Or if you get, you know, somebody uh, who has an agenda and they're just saying things to jam somebody up, that could all play out on the grand jury. You know, you can indict a hand sandwich, as I've said. And that's what, uh, at least if you got the minutes afterwards, you'd be able to go through it and really make sure it's justified or it's not, and that the discovery matches up to what was stated on the grand jury. But on the federal level, you have to almost guess and put the pieces together. And even if you do a phenomenal job of doing that and you show that there was no way this indictment could have, be, could have been had based on the discovery, it doesn't. if your motion doesn't get granted, you have no play. You have no leg to stand on. And the scary part is you could raise all of these things from pre-trial to trial, all of these different motions you could raise in pre-trial. And if you don't get any play with any of them, you just have to keep going through the steps, go through trial, unfortunately not get a fair trial because if none of your pre-trial motions are being granted where you're proving inaccuracies and errors... That would tell anyone with a little common sense they're not on a good path to get a a fair trial based on that, based on the prior rulings. And then if all that happens and that fails, now you find yourself in the appeal process. And you have to go through it all over again in the sense you have to, you could only focus now on what happened at the trial, but you have to now point out procedural errors and um, errors that took place that prevented you from getting a fair trial. And it's just a scary thing that people don't realize when you get sucked into the system. You're locked in in a lot of ways. And it's not a matter of how the general public thinks, well, if you're innocent, you'll get off. That's not the way it works. I was working with a firm this week that I brought on to help me with a project that I was hired for. Uh, It it needed forensic analysis. And it was... uh, audio analysis and what was so disturbing was I was talking to this gentleman and he was telling me how many times he had to come on to cases where he found audio actually being tampered with being changed parts being left out where he had to testify to prove that the defendant was innocent and when you hear these things you just can't wrap your head around it you can't wrap your head around the fact that this is how the system could work where evidence isn't evidence anymore. It's it's what's being manipulated. What it, you know, it's a, a lie. I was always told a lie is very dangerous because you can't, you don't know how to defend yourself against a lie. And it's so true. When you're dealing with the truth, whether good or bad, at least you know how to, how to navigate it, how to approach it, and how to solve it or rebut it. But when you're dealing with a lie, you don't know what you're going to get hit with. So you can't even plan for it. And it's frightening to think that those are the type of things taking place in in our country. And th- those are the things that have to be changed. And what's scary is it's really not getting the attention it should be getting. When you hear of all these cases and all these people now getting ex- exonerated thanks to DNA... It's frightening, and I've talked about that many times. Like I said, this this podcast is always going to have a running theme, so things are going to overlap, and subjects spoken about prior will be, t- you know, touched on again because it's just a running theme of of how 
within this system, a lot of times an injustice occurs. And there's times when justice happens, and that's when it should be commended, and those judges should be commended, and it's just, you know, things work out. And whether, I'm not getting into the guilty or innocent aspect of it, I'm just saying when somebody gets a fair trial, that's all you could really ask for if you find yourself in any phase of the system, civilly, criminally, you just want to make sure that it's fair. For both, you know, for everyone involved, it's got to be fair. It can't be one-sided. It doesn't work if it's one-sided. Somebody's getting the short end of a stick if it's one-sided. And that's the part that needs to be navigated properly. And that's why it's so vital to have fair rulings and fair judges and things play out the right way. And things try to emulate the textbook as close as possible. I know it's not a reality for it to play out that way, but as close as possible. There's so much left for opinions and for personal views, for rulings based on that, that it's scary. You know, you get a bad judge, you have a problem. On January 8th, I'm going to have a guest on. I spoke about it. Um, He's in the forensic fields. And he's going to talk to us about, you know, the different cases he's handled and the things he's he has seen where it relates to uh, false science and making things accurate that are really inaccurate in order to fit the government's narrative. So he's going to be a very interesting guest. I'm going to uh, I'm going to put that out. On January eighth, so it'll be uh, that'll be very interesting, I believe, for the listeners. They'll they'll find that intriguing to hear an expert give some factual data to support a lot of the things that I've been saying with regards to cell sites and things like that. Just to have an idea of how it really works, because that's what I like to go by. You know, I I don't try to just say things to say them because they sound good. When I say something, I try to make sure it's knowledgeable. And it comes with backup. And what's unfortunate is when you have the government saying certain things are factual and there's no room for error, and then you find out that's not the case. That's what's uh, very concerning on many levels. And there's a lot of shows bringing attention to these topics. I mean, on Netflix, I said it, I believe, in the first episode, but if you get a chance, you got to watch Exhibit A on Netflix. It really gives a breakdown of all these sciences. And I played the line where the lady says, you know, um, if a science is misunderstood, it's like magic. And that's dangerous. And that's very true. It's very true. And that's the problem with a lot of these jurors. They don't understand the science. And when they don't understand it, it becomes like magic. And then they're just applying things that aren't accurate. Uh, there's also that Making a Murderer 1 and 2, fascinating show, regardless whether you, you know, you're know you on the side of guilt or innocent. It's just a fascinating show when you see what took place. Uh, the guilt or innocent aspect, even if you don't want to focus on that, there's a lot of legitimacies to the steps that took place uh, based on what the law enforcement did to target this individual. And it was like I said earlier, this is a small town they just targeted this individual. And that was quite uh, shocking at some of the steps they took. 
to really get this guy in their crosshairs. So there's a lot out there. You know, there's a, a ton of podcasts. There's a ton of websites all about injustice, all about people trying to do good to help those that were wrongfully convicted. But the problem is nothing's really getting solved. You know, it's getting worse. And the other thing I, I noticed, which is unfortunate, when there's a certain stigma attached to a case that Italian-Americans get if they're, if they're lumped into a case, an enterprise case, and they're Italian-American, they have a stigma when you try, if you try to get third-party opinions, and I'm going to give you a little example. Uh, in this last case, it was, um, it was one of those cases, and it had that stigma. And I tried reaching out to a lot of experts because as the case was going on, there was things that I knew just didn't seem right. They just weren't playing out right. They seemed unconstitutional in my opinion. And I wanted an expert to weigh in on it. Now, in my um, investigation of trying to find related experts, I had a touch base with at least and contact at least 100. And I'm not exaggerating. And I understand that usually what I was asking for happens at the appeal level. And that's why many didn't want to get involved. But I can assure you a lot didn't want to get involved because of what's attached to a case where you're dealing with Italian-Americans and you're dealing with a certain stigma and you're dealing with the enterprise. And to me, that's you should go by the law. It shouldn't matter who the defendant is, what the alleged crimes are, what the alleged associations are. It, they should just go by what is happening in the case. If the law is being broken, if procedures are being broken, just analyze the case and what's happening. Take those elements out of it when you analyze it. And to, to, to avoid something based on that, it's not just. And honestly, you shouldn't be involved in the legal field if that's what you're going to do. Because Lady Justice is blind. So if you're going to be an expert, you should also be blind. And you should look at things by analyzing the issues at hand, not the parties at hand. That shouldn't factor in. And I, and I knew that was a lot of the reasons why many were avoiding the issue and didn't want to get involved in the issue. And one thing about me is I don't give up. You know, you close one door, I'm going to open five five others. And you put a wall up, I'm going to go around it. So I'm not done yet with uh, pestering experts, uh, especially at the next phase of this with the appeal phase. I'll be revisiting all of them. And I'm hoping this time they realize all the unjust actions that were taking place resulted in an unfavorable decision. So now's the time to step up and to at least give the rules and the law a look and to verify that they weren't being followed properly. So they, you know, they haven't heard the last of me. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'm definitely going to bother them again. And I'm just hoping this time around we have different results. And that's, that's one thing, even for those out there facing, facing different hardships within the system. Again, using technology could help tremendously. You could contact only almost anybody if you know how to use it properly. And there's nothing wrong with trying to reach out 
for another opinion or somebody to to give you aid, give you a brief, give you give you some give your your cause a look. And always try to think outside the box when trying to get things that will support your cause or help you fight your cause. And unorthodox methods pay off. You know, there's a lot of things I've done that have been unorthodox. And that way of thinking helps out a lot. You know, you have to look at things sometimes from a different angle, from a different perspective. Try to go to the source for a lot of things. Uh, if, If there's an expert in that field, try to find the best expert you can just to have a conversation, just to... Communication is a lot different nowadays. It's very easy for people to respond to emails. You have LinkedIn. You can find experts on there. You can find people on there just to have a quick conversation, just to see if it's worth going further with. And that's advice I give anybody going through this. Try to really exhaust all avenues of research and of anything that can help your case, moving it forward, getting it to the next level, and fighting it to the best of your ability. So when the time comes where you do have a trial, you, you want to be prepared. You want to have everything ready to go. And what's scary is it was a sobering lesson for myself that if you have everything prepared and you've done everything you could have possibly done, you've things were accomplished on this last case that honestly I've had pretty much all the attorneys I speak spoke with, they told me they've never been accomplished in the sense that we've exhausted avenues that usually are never explored. And we were organized, we had everything ready to go. And what was frustrating and sobering is how all of that could be impacted when you revert back to what I spoke about, meaning the judge could control things where you don't get rulings, things don't go in your favor. And you don't get a fair trial. It almost makes those items where they're not as powerful as they once were. You know, when you go by the law and you had everything done based on the law, when that gets negated uh, due to rulings and based on rulings, it's deflating. I will say that. It's deflating. And you lose a lot of hope that you had that justice will be served. When you see things going a certain way and you see rulings knocking out things that you've accomplished and things that you've shown are inaccurate and based on rulings, you're not allowed to even address them. You get deflated very quick and you got to keep pushing through. I mean, just like with life, you got to keep pushing forward. You're going to get knocked down a lot, but you only have two options. What are you going to do? You know, you either crawl up in a fetal position and you play the woe is me role. Or you stand up, dust yourself off, and you keep going. And I've always been the type to just keep going. Regardless of what comes at me, I'm going to keep going. And actually, I'm the type, the more fired up I get, the more determination I get to, and the drive I get to keep going. So the more I get knocked down, I just get up faster and faster. And that's one thing you got to have, especially in this industry. Because this industry... The legal industry will really take a toll on you uh, mentally, especially if you you know you bond with your clients or you care about the cause, and you see you see these things going on. 
And then when it's on a personal level, forget it. That's a whole whole other animal. Then it really gets you very jaded into the whole system and you really get a, a look at what takes place when somebody's targeted. And now you have to fight for the next couple years to get a, a wrong righted. And, you know, it's it's very disheartening going back to being deflated. But you, you can't keep give up. You got to keep going. And everybody who writes in with your hardships and what you're going through, you got to just remember you got to keep going. There's really no alternative. You know, if you stop, they win. So you can't stop. On another note, I have a few things work in the works uh, for the podcast that should be uh, in promotion. So we should see an influx in subscribers, get a bigger audience, and that's really the goal here. I just want to try to get, I want to try to appeal to the audience where, as the general public could hear these things and hear firsthand the effects they have and hear firsthand what goes on. And even if you get one or two eventual jurors who heard the show and have a different way of looking at things and is going to keep their mind open, you know, that's success right there. We may just help somebody out. So I'm going to be uh, focusing on different avenues, different platforms to get the uh, word out of the show. We'll be getting some good feedback. I appreciate the emails and the direct messages on social media. I've been showing a lot of the messages, and I appreciate the words coming in so far. It's all been positive. And like I said earlier, I know people want to share some of their stories, and I'm definitely going to allow for that. I just got to get that all worked out logistically and scheduling-wise. And also, feel free to keep sending in the emails. You, you, you got any even ideas that you want to discuss, any questions, just send it to info at justicetechpros.com and put podcast in the subject line, and then I'll get that and I'll have a look. One thing I wanted to touch on, too, is just make sure if you are facing any any part of the system, civil, criminal, just make sure you have an attorney who is really there for you and is really going to fight for you. Because in my experience, and I've said this, unfortunately, there's not that many out there. Now, granted, I haven't been doing this that long to meet a lot, but I've met a lot of, um, I met a lot that talk a good game, but when it's time to perform, they don't. And I've met a, a couple that were really great attorneys. On the, this last case, there was uh, a few that really stick in my mind that were just, they're great attorneys. They care about the client. They fought for the client. And you can't ask more than that. Passionate, uh, legitimately cared, legitimately used their skills to help, did all they can, exhausted all the e- efforts, bonded with the family, really tried to connect and I respect that, you know, and that's really all you want. You want somebody who cares and is going to fight for you and not just going to bill you and not going to, you know, act unprofessional. You know, you want somebody that's just going to do the right thing, work hard, and that's all you could ask for. It's when they take their money, your money, you know, the client's money, and it's, you know, like pulling teeth to get them to call you back or to get them to meet with you or to get them to go through the material or you get a lot that are just full of hot air and they just BS and 
You know, then you get the ones who live in the past and think they're great when they're not anymore. You know, but they talk a good game and they don't have anything to back it up. And I think that, to me, is the most frustrating, the ones who talk the good game. But then when they get show up in the courtroom, nothing backs it up. And you, you you can't talk a good game if you can't back it up. You're better off just being quiet and be happy with the clients you get that are fooled by whatever you're selling them, you know. So I just, on that part, I appeal to the public for yourself. Just really do your due diligence. I've, I've had a few calls asking me uh, for who I would refer, and I do have a small list. And again, my referrals... There's no incentives there. I wouldn't refer somebody. That's why I'm very limited because I take those things personally. So if I do refer somebody, it's because I believe in them. So for those of you who called me, I appreciate it. And um, I've given you my feedback. And I'll be glad to help in any way I can. Sometimes I'll tell you right out I don't have nobody because I'm not going to give somebody who I don't believe in. And when I say believe in, I just feel that they would work hard for you. They have the skill set needed, and they have the devotion required and the ambition to not give up on you and to follow through with the whole case and give you the best possible results. Obviously, you can't guarantee good results, but if you have somebody working hard who's knowledgeable and has the skill set and has the ability, that's really all you ask for. So we have some uh, good things coming up. Uh, We're going to have... Uh, you know, as I, as I discussed earlier, different aspects to the show. Uh, today was almost like a uh, a freestyle type show. So we just, you know, I just kicked around a few items, nothing in particular. I hope you enjoyed today's format, the flexibility of it. Again, this is going to be organic as things come up, as there's things I want to touch on. I'm going to do so. I'm going to have guests on that are related. I want to try to get that same overall theme going. I want to try to make sure whatever I put out is all for the cause, whereas the listeners could benefit by it, they could learn from it, and it's put in a commonsensical way that they can relate to. You know, when you're listening to a podcast, you don't need you don't want it to be like a lecture. We all deal with that enough whether we're going through schooling or we're at work and we have to go for different types of education, different types of certifications. In my life, I went for a lot of those. I hold different licenses, and trust me, the last thing I want to hear or even give is a lecture. I want to try to just talk and have a conversation. And that's what I'm trying to do here, and I try to keep it as plain as possible so it seems like you're talking to a friend. Because when I know me, when something's monotone and facts are just being kicked out and this. I don't know. I, I lose I lose attention right away. So I want to try to keep it intriguing and just try to keep it laid back. And I'm hoping I'm accomplishing that. I'm hoping you guys are enjoying it. By the way, the listeners are growing, subscribers. Uh, we're, we're on the right path. Again, I don't know, you know how this will eventually develop, how it will, will, uh, what it will turn into. But right now, my main cause is just try to educate, trying to help people that I could help, trying to help people that I care about, and I'm going to start going in a little deeper with certain things, with um, cases I worked on, just to really give some insight onto what takes place. Uh, Certain things I can't go into too deeply because we have um, things pending, but I'll try to give overall 
insight to help those that are experiencing something similar so they have direction and they have paths that they could travel to ultimately reach the goal they want to reach or to at least get direction on how to navigate in the first place. One final bit of advice for anyone listening that's going to be dealing with an appeal. Just make sure you're in touch with the lawyers and you have a good schedule laid out because there's deadlines with the appeals and you want to make sure nothing is missed within those deadlines. So communicate that to your attorneys. Tell them you just want a schedule of when things are going to be filed and when they're due. If nothing else, it keeps everyone accountable. And at least you know when something is due, it's getting filed. Because the last thing you want to do is miss those deadlines. They're very important. Uh, On an entertainment note, Netflix had the Irishman on. My own opinion, I wasn't crazy about it. I didn't like the CGI. looked weird. Uh, I did think Joe Pesci actually uh, played a great role. I'm addressing that because I had a a few emails asking my opinion on the movie. So that's my opinion. I don't want to give it anything away, but I don't know. I wasn't crazy about it. And I appreciate the emails asking. And that's it for uh, this episode, and we'll talk to you soon.